Have you ever wanted to be invisible? Perhaps to escape, to snoop, or even to scare? You might want to be invisible for any number of reasons. I remember being fascinated by, as a child by a short-lived TV series that was The Invisible Man. The show drew its loose inspiration from the 1897 H.G. Wells novel of the same name, with David McCallum as the lead actor. It is all well and good to be invisible when you want to, but it's not much fun when others overlook or disregard you. If you've ever felt ignored or devalued, then hang in there because today's message is for you. Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time to delve into your word, Holy Spirit, inspired by you, would you speak to us? Would you wash over us? Would you refresh us with a with a fresh glimpse of who you are and all that you mean to us and all that we mean to you. May we come to know the truth of your love as it is um, reflected in these pages. Amen. Did you know that according to a 2014 British Columbia study, being ignored at work is worse for physical and mental well-being than harassment or bullying? Researchers found that while most consider ostracism less harmful than bullying, feeling excluded is significantly more likely to lead to job dissatisfaction, quitting and health problems. There is a tremendous effort underway to counter bullying in workplaces and schools, which is definitely important. But abuse is not always obvious, says Professor Sandra Robertson, who co-authored the study. There are many people who feel quietly victimised in their daily lives, and most of our current strategies for dealing with workplace injustice doesn't give them a voice. Similarly, while being invisible may be fun for a bit, when people make decisions and judgments about you without considering you, it can be upsetting and downright frustrating. It can leave you feeling powerless, without a voice and judged. It can leave you feeling of little value. Have you ever felt this way? If you've ever felt this way, then you're not alone. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. It was during the first year of Jesus' ministry, John the baptizer, who we uh, met last week in our message last week, is now in prison. John sends a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus if he is truly the one that they have been waiting for. In Luke chapter 7, verse 21, we read the following. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, 
those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear and the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who don't turn away because of me. Jesus was noted as spending time with, and as the Pharisees put it, scum in Luke 5.30. Around the dinner table, tax collectors and prostitutes saw Jesus as an honoured guest. But Jesus was also prepared to accept dinner invitations from the religious elite. So let's dive into Luke 7.36-50. to And today I'm reading from the NIV translation. Luke 7, 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She, uh, then she wiped them uh, and with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching her and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, she said. he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let's take a moment to understand what's actually going on here. A Pharisee was likely to have a large room, possibly an outdoor room for entertaining. Rather than dining behind closed doors, guests would recline over their left elbow with their feet poking out from the the central radius of the tables in the centre of the serving area. The Greeks are known to have done this from the 7th century BC 
And it slowly moved through Roman, uh, the Roman Empire and even to the wealthier Jewish relig- uh, establishment and Jewish culture. Um, if you were a little bit wealthy, you might do this as well when you could. Men would discuss philosophy, theology, politics, while the community would filter in and, and gather around the fringe of the room and would listen intently to the learned discussion. While an honoured guest would have had their feet washed, greeted with a kiss, Simon extends, um, extending this to Jesus was culturally appropriate for him to do that, but beyond what Simon was prepared to do for Jesus. During the meal, a woman of well-known ill repute without invitation, comes over to Jesus. It's not the first time that she's seen Jesus. She comes to anoint his head with precious oil. But that is beyond the reach. And overcome by emotions and by her circumstance, she reaches Jesus' feet and cause and effect plays out. Tears from the depths of her soul spill out. Recognition for who she was and now is. And what Jesus means to her are expressed through spontaneous tears falling on Jesus' feet. Wet feet need to be dried. And those like Simon who care to see are shocked as she unbinds her hair and lovingly wipes Jesus' feet dry with her hair. Clean feet are now kissed in appreciation. And then the neck of this single-use alabaster jar hanging from her neck is broken. The aroma and the oil spills out onto Jesus' feet and fills the room. Simon doubts Jesus' authenticity as a so-called prophet. And this is now confirmed. No prophet would ever dare to allow such a sinner, stained and mired, to come towards him with such action. But ironically, this prophet knows Simon's thoughts and who this woman is and responds. Simon, I have something to say. Now Simon's response is revealing here. Tell me, go ahead, speak on. Simon is polite, but he is not encouraging of Jesus. The story Jesus tells speaks of denarii, a day's wage for an average worker, a labourer. For one, he owes the money lender. Now remember, a money lender is in the business of lending money and getting it back. If he doesn't get it back, his business is defunct. Two months' wages. One owes two months' wages. The other owes the creditor 20 months' wages. But neither can pay. And both have reason to fear the consequences. But grace is extended to both. 
Simon recognises that he's kind of been backed into a corner here by Jesus' story and begrudgingly concedes that the one who is forgiven would more naturally love more. And then Jesus does something interesting. Actually, what's going on over there? How many of you wanted to turn? How many of you did turn? It's amazing how the, the, the actions of one can draw the attention of another. For those listening, not seeing, I pretended that there was something happening on in a room outside the auditorium to encourage others to look that direction. Jesus looks to the woman whom he sees, but he speaks to Simon. Jesus is not trying to be rude to Simon, but rather encouraging Simon to see. Jesus wants Simon to look and see this woman. Do you see? Do you see this woman? I know you think you see her based on her past. You see her through your prejudices. You see her in a way that keeps you safe, distant and righteous. You see her as someone to be ignored and judged. You see her as someone beyond saving. And whilst you might concede that Yahweh God loves her, it's a concession not a cause for celebration. Do you see? Do you see this woman? Now see her through my eyes. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Because of Jesus' prior forgiveness of this woman's past life, she has come to express her saving faith in Jesus by doing all she can to honour him. She knows that her past has been forgiven. And what it means for her is expressed in such deep and lavish appreciation. Jesus knows that she's been forgiven. And that is why he receives her gesture of appreciation. But now Jesus publicly declares that she is forgiven, speaking life and freedom for all to hear. Go in peace is better translated go into peace. Go in peace was the proper way to bid farewell to someone who was dead. Go into peace was a declaration for the living 
to go into a life of peace. The woman leaves Jesus, a whole and restored creature. She departs into peace. So often the depiction of God uh, is, is one who sees you and all that you do and looks upon you with judgment and disdain. But here we see the God-man Jesus showing that God leads with love and offers forgiveness and hope of a restored relationship with our Creator God and Redeemer. That your past can be exactly that, your past. That Jesus came to offer you the opportunity to live life well. That there is, there is something in it when those who know you the best love you the most. Today, can I encourage you with the good news that Jesus sees you. All of you. All of you in number, all of you in completeness. You are not invisible to God. All your past that is kept in the shadows that you fear might come to light. But Jesus also sees you and in your fullness of all you can be in a life offered and made possible through his forgiveness and salvation. That your past does not have to define your future. Jesus' heart is one of compassion and love. As the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 5.8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The love and forgiveness Jesus extends to us is not because we are good enough or have earned it. It is because of God's love and compassion that he came. Then we can experience great forgiveness. We can express great appreciation and love. But we would fail in our account if we left it at that. Jesus also asks us, do you see this person? Do you look at them beyond the stereotypes? Do you see them beyond their past? To see the overlooked, the maligned by the media. Do you see your neighbour, your colleague, your client, your classmate? To see them through the eyes of empathy and compassion. Jesus never once compromised his purity, his uh, holiness, but even in this, he remained attractive to people that others saw as scum. And they often sought Jesus out as well. Because of this, Jesus didn't give a passing glance and then move on. Jesus saw them with redemptive eyes. And today... Jesus asks us, who do you find hard to see and easy to ignore? Do you see? Will you be open 
to see as Jesus sees. There's, they are not the, the Where's Waldo or Where's Wally um, sort of characters. They are, they are not invisible. But perhaps we need to pray for the eyes to see. Do you see? Will you see? Let me pray. Jesus, as we go about our daily activities, we can get caught up in and, and try and hide ourselves from you. We can sometimes feel the shame of our past from a few moments ago to a few years or decades ago. We can want to withhold that from you and think that it's something that neither you look upon nor want to see nor want to redeem. But Jesus, you see us. You love us. You died and rose again for us. But Jesus, it's also easy for us as we go about our day to ignore, to have blinkers on, to be task-focused, to be, to be focused on our own wants and needs and to ignore, to, to have people as invisible, people that might slow us down, people that might cost us time, people that might be frustrating or needy or whatever stereotypes or cultural baggage we might apply to them. And Jesus, forgive us for the times that we want to ignore. We want to paint them as invisible to the background and push them out of our sight. Help us to see others as you see them. You invite us to see with your eyes. Help us to do that. Amen. So, how do we respond today? Well, two simple questions. What does it mean for Jesus to see you and extend love, forgiveness and restoration to you? Consider that for a moment. And then also consider, who is Jesus calling you to stop overlooking, to truly see? There's going to be some music played, and as that music's played, I invite you to take out those response cards and respond to the things that God is saying to you today. God bless you.